Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing well, but I don't know how you're doing because you have a take that might kind of be in shambles right now. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, for those who have been listening for uh, at least two weeks, uh, you may have uh, remembered my on the on the uh, preview of the week ahead. I think maybe five episodes ago, uh, I said, and it was a random thing, and I, you know. I put about I put like half my heart into it, but I said, if Lance McCullers doesn't no hit the Rangers on June fifteenth, uh, there will be no more no hitters after the year. Um, I mean that take was definitely wrong, uh, I guess. But eventually, well, I, eventually in combined no hitter. Eventually in the episode, you said like, I think you said like we're we're probably not going to count a combined no hitter. Right. And I was like, Oh, there we go. I think, there we go. I think I said, yeah, I think maybe, maybe we can go back to the tapes and, and see what it actually was like, but we'll do that after the show. Maybe, maybe I'll I don't edit remember that saying in. that at all, but I'll take your word for it. Cause I'm, I will, I will take your word for that. Even though I have no recollection of saying that because I don't want that take to end on a combined no hitter. That's lame. Yeah. And we'll get into it because it was, I mean, it's it was one of the worst no hitters in recent memory. Just you, you just we just lost a lot of points on all of it. First of all, combined you lose points. Second of all, eight walks. If you if you're yeah. gonna walk eight batters on a no hitter, you better you better be on LSD like Doc Ellis was when he. I was gonna had say his... like I think that ties Doc Ellis right. Yeah, <laughs> he, that that's how many walks he had in his no hitter in 1970 and uh yeah he they they had more they had more walks than strikeouts um but you know a no hitter is a no hitter yeah a no hitter is a no hitter um i don't know i mean i feel like the general consensus around combined no hitters has kind of been it just it's been lacking just for the full existence like i think combined no hitters have only been cool twice it was cool that one time that the Astros did it where their starting pitcher got hurt after like the first batter and their bullpen just spontaneously, you know, went through the whole game to combine for a no hitter. And then when the angels did it uh, in the first home game after Tyler Skaggs passing, like those are the only times I will allow a combined no hitter to slide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two perfect examples uh, for those unaware, I guess uh, Zach Davies uh, threw six no hit innings and he had 94 pitches after those six innings and uh the cubs went to the bullpen and davies davies had davies walked five guys on his own he had more walks than strikeouts personally uh then ryan tapera came in uh he threw a scoreless hitless seventh inning with i think one walk uh andrew chafin came in in the eighth he threw a hitless inning i think with a walk as well then Craig Kimbrell came in the ninth, walked the first battery faced, and then struck out the next three to complete the no hitter. So uh, that was uh, that's what I guess captured the baseball world uh, last night. And uh, like we said before the show, this wasn't even like this wasn't the only no hitter that could have happened <laughs> that last night, which is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um... One of my thoughts through the the last two Cubs no hitters between Alec Mills last year and the combined no hitter last night, there were seven batted balls by the opposing team that had an expected batting average at or above 500. Yeah, yeah, we very very lucky. We like to point out those things. Like, yeah, I I think, you know, I'm trying to think of uh, some no hitters with 
like low amounts. I think John Means has only had like two of the two of those uh, batted balls, and those were both like they were still below like fifty low line drives. Yeah, yeah, they were still below like five fifty uh, or something like that. So it was still pretty much 50-50. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, Chris Taylor it, had like a six eighty fly out. Yep. Yeah, the, this was not a this was not really dominant in any fashion. And it kind of reminds me how arbitrary a no hitter is because it would have been way more dominant if they had allowed two hits and one walk. It would have been completely more yeah. dominant, but it's it grabs news because the eight base runners they allowed uh were not in fact hits. Yeah. I mean the Dodgers OBP as a team actually not that bad last night. Uh right. Um who did Will Smith pinch hit for? I have to go back to the box um, I score. I remember. I do not remember at all, but it was after Pujols and he was the last out. Um I'm going to take a look at the box score to see how many batters they have, would they have like had Austin Barnes in the 6th spot or something? Uh potentially um he pinch hit for well there was a double switch that put the pitcher spot uh where AJ Pollock was where okay. which was the one, two, three, four, five, six it was the six hole. Um so six spot. Twenty seven plus six yeah, is thirty-three. Was five and he was the second to last out. Yeah, so that yep. means that the Dodgers on base percentage last night was uh two forty two. Almost a quarter of the time they were on base, but uh, not horrible. Yeah, the classic oh oh oh. And if that's a player's OBP, it's not very good. Yeah, oh 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 two forty two oh 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 two forty two. Solid walk rate. Uh, but yeah. If Yasmani Grandal was an entire team. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and then he he would just be due for they would just be due for a home run. Just eventually, just an extra base hit. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of segues into what the Dodgers have been doing lately. You know, this was on the heels of a uh, of a of a sweep against you know the rival Padres. Uh, what we were saying, what what everyone was saying before the season was their biggest threat to the NL West, and you know the Giants also appeared uh, in the in the middle of the season as another threat. But, you know, the Dodgers have kind of established a rivalry against the Padres and, uh, you know, got swept, got swept in their in their third uh, series against them. Yeah, uh, the Dodgers have been playing. uh, They've been struggling a bit lately. Obviously, you get swept by the Padres, then you get no hit by the Cubs. Uh, They are. Here's the big concern. They're 15 and 22 on the season against teams with a winning record. Uh, and you know, you got the Padres obviously in your division, but now you got the Giants who are, you know, they look more and more like the real deal every single day. And that's two teams you're going to have to compete with in the division. And I mean, soon enough, like, I think the worst case scenario that you and I both see with the Dodgers this year is that they, they go on the road for the wild card game, which, you know, like maybe that happens. It probably, it's very likely. I don't think a team from the, from the NL East or the NL Central would top them like a second team from either of those divisions. Um, so it's not necessarily the worst case scenario because they probably are going to make the playoffs regardless. But I, I mean, the, they should, they should be expecting more out of themselves right now. Right. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking at the, at their schedule and results uh, thing on baseball reference and I'm trying to do the math, but uh, mm-hmm. when they are, when they are not facing the, Diamondbacks or Rockies, they are thirty-one. They're they're thirty-one and thirty. Wow. So, um, one game over five hundred. Yeah, and you know, obviously, you're you're supposed to win those games, and the Dodgers are still in a decent spot, being at forty-four and thirty-one. But it might say something about um, who they're being successful against, and as you pointed out, fifteen and twenty-two against. Uh, winning ball clubs yeah and you know i mentioned like the dodgers you know they'll probably go to the postseason that's not what they're there for they're there to go far in the postseason they're there to defend their title and it doesn't look like 
it's, it's looking less and less like that's going to happen with every winning team that they play and how they perform. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, and uh, I, I guess, you know, th- this is, yeah, this is definitely something to pay attention to. Uh, they've got three more against the Cubs uh, ahead, and then they have two against the Giants Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so it like, yeah, this is something to, this is something to keep on the radar. You know, we, we definitely expected more out of the Dodgers, you know, even though they're 13 games above 500 now, we probably expected they would have had uh they still would have had more wins by now and would have had maybe yeah. 50 wins by now because of, you know, the talent on their roster and how they've been able to uh, win in the past. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like uh, a hangover by any stretch, but they're almost sort of like underperforming uh, oddly enough, even being I feel like this is their version of the world series hangover. Cause like they were supposed to, you know, they're supposed to be great. Don't get me wrong. They've lost their last four. They are four and a half games behind the Giants, uh, and they are now tied with the Padres for second in the division. Yeah, yeah, and you know the Padres have had uh, sort of ups and downs, but mostly ups. Um, exactly. They just had some like the Padres have just had those random weird series, I think, um, against like the brewers and what have you um but yeah and when they got swept by the cubs uh but yeah <clears throat> yeah I, it's it's something to pay attention to i i wonder if um if it's particular particularly offense or uh defense th- or offense or pitching that is uh particularly particularly lacking against these uh types of teams I don't know. It might be, it might be pitching. I'm not sure. It might be a little um, bit of both. I mean, their offense wasn't very good last night. Yeah. I'm well, <laughs> yeah. 242 OPS. Not, like 242 OPS last night. I mean, that's yeah, not good. Not great. Not great against, you know, against those Cubs. Uh, but yeah, you know, Padres, I mean the the games were great in Padres Dodgers. Every every Padres Dodgers series are. we've we've sort of done a review on so far this year, and you know I guess an optimistic sign is the Dodgers were in every single game. Yeah, they were. Um, you know, it took it took a lot for the Padres. It definitely like this was no. I mean, this was a statement sweep from the Padres. Uh, you know, they can, you know, they have already proven that they can hang with the Dodgers. The next step was to prove that they can outplay the Dodgers, and they did that uh, in the series. Um, it was 6-2 to two in the first game. Hugh Darvish uh, pitched very well. The Padres hit a grand slam in the first inning, I believe. Or, no, it was a three-run home run. It was a three-run home run um, mm-hmm. by, I think, Machado. And then in the second game, it was uh, Snell versus Kershaw. The Padres won 3-2. to two. Padres scored in the first inning in all three games. I think that's the biggest part of it. Like they came out swinging in each of the games, and then they won five to three in the third game. Uh, they swept, and they beat Arias, Kershaw, and Bauer too. That's no. I mean, you know, obviously, if you're going up in a three-game series against the Dodgers, you're going to see great starting pitching regardless. But you know, to beat those three guys, I mean, that's a that's a statement win. Yeah, yeah. They, it's not like they were facing their their worst. It's not like they won any games on a on a bullpen game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Padres just looked, you know, them having the full crowd at Petco. I feel like that's that's the most lively we've seen Petco, you know, probably ever. um, If we're being because uh, 1998 was was Qualcomm Stadium, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, like we saw what Dodgers fans looked like in Arizona, like, you know, go look at Walker Beeler coming off the mound after his no hitter got broken up and look at the sea of blue in Arizona that didn't really exist in San Diego, or at least it didn't seem like it by the, by the noise of the crowd. Yeah. It, it was all in on, on the Padres and, you know, it's not just that they're good. It's that they're extremely exciting. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of saw a, a prequel to it when they won that playoff series against St. Louis last year. And there was, you know, 
even if there was no fans. Oh yeah, there, there was that celebration outside, right? Yeah, there was celebrations just on the streets, um, and and now we get to see it live in action at at Petco Park, uh, and it it was a playoff atmosphere, and it's it's interesting to see that it's like the first time in my lifetime that it's it's the first time ever I've ever actually seen that much excitement in that area. This is the this is the best Padres team we've been alive for, and that's not even a debate. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So that um, is uh also just another thing. Did you see the quote that Trevor Bauer had after his start? Uh no. What did he say? He had a quote where he was like, I have like the worst home run luck in the league. Where like every, you know, every like mistake he has goes out. Uh there are li- there's literally statistical data to prove this and uh it's not true because if you look at his home run to fly ball ratio, uh, he ranks tied for 17th in baseball. So it's like, you know, it's like he's making these claims where there's literally statistics to back up that it's false. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's he kind of like, especially when his spin rate went up, he turned into a fly ball pitcher because yeah, obviously you're going to get under it more when there's more spin on like the fastball. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I kind of understand the terminology. Like, because you know you can make a mistake as a pitcher and have it not go out but uh but yeah it's like you can't make them those mistakes because the risk of the ball being a home run is when you throw to yeah when you make a mistake to an mlb hitter there's always the risk of a home run especially when you're facing the padres like every single person in that lineup is capable of doing big things yeah even even victor you know Oh, he gave the three home runs he gave up. It was Cronenworth, Machado, and Victor Caratini. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, the Machado one we know was not bad luck. That was that was Machado being Machado. No. Machado Machado being Machado against Bauer. Exactly. Um. Something interesting: the Dodgers and Padres do not face each other until uh, August twenty fourth after this but that means we get that means we get a lot of it down the stretch i'm okay with that yeah i'm i'm actually pretty excited about that yeah all, there's a series between them uh for the last time at san diego august 24th through 26th and then we get them uh, at dodger stadium at dodger stadium the september 10th through september 12th and then the second to last series of the season uh, September 28th through September 30th at Dodger Stadium. So yeah, that's going to be fun. Like I imagine, I love it. I, I can almost guarantee that there's going to be standings implications in Ooh. all of those Ooh. series. Uh, you know, especially like in um, the earlier. You know, league. I mentioned the Dodgers. They the Dodgers and how they struggle playing against winning teams. Uh, the Dodgers' last two series would be against the Padres and Brewers. Uh, right. Yeah. Those are two win. Those are two. Those are two winning teams. Yeah, there's some implications there. Um, what I mean, what would be better if the? I mean, what I wonder what the situations would be because I feel like, yeah, the team out of the National League West is probably gonna have the one seed, and they're probably gonna face another team from they're, the NL West. Probably gonna have two wild card teams. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's probably a guarantee that it's going to be NL West versus NL West in the playoffs and in the wild card uh, tiebreaker, or not tiebreaker, but wild card play in yeah. game. Like, I, I, what's the most exciting scenario we can get out of that? A Dodgers Padres wild card game would be pretty sick. It would be literally insane. But it's like, but then there's a, like the, yeah. the factor of like, we want to see best of five. I know we do, but yeah. So I mean, I guess like one of the two win the division, and then it's actually no. No, I would say the best is uh, Giants and Dodgers in the wild card game because that is a big rivalry in itself. It you know it hasn't really existed so much over the last you know a few years, but it's sort of back this year just because they're both good. So I'd say that, and then the potential of the Dodgers winning and then facing the Padres for best of five. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That's that uh, that's something to look forward to as we uh, as we progress throughout the season. And 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep, just like uh, just like we talked about the White Sox uh, in our last episode, keep your eye on the Dodgers against winning ball clubs. Uh, this, you know, as we Absolutely. as we go along throughout the season, because they have struggled. Where did you find the um, records above 500 uh, ball clubs? Uh, it's on baseball reference. You just go to where do you go? Because oh, you go to uh, like standings and then you go to detailed standings. Yeah, because now I'm curious as to see where they were in previous years. The team with the best record against winning teams is the Milwaukee Brewers with a 21 and 11 record. Uh, the Astros are 29 and 16. The Giants are 20 and 14. The Red Sox are 21 and 17. And the Cubs are 24 and 20. Uh, those are the best five winning percentages in baseball. There we go. Only, uh, only eight teams have a winning record in general against against uh, winning teams. Right. Yeah. Um, Dodgers, Dodgers, Dodgers. Yeah. Eight. Are they 18 and 22 this year or 15 and 22? 15 and 22. All right. Some team, some team must have uh, gone up at 500. Oh, I have eight, oh, you're right. I do. Have, I have 18 and 22 as well. Yeah, so correction, it's 18 and 22. Still, but if that if that particular still. team loses tonight, it's back to 15 and 22. <laughs> yep. But I mean, 18 oh, and 22. Yeah, you're right. There must have been there must have been one team that like okay, yeah. What teams are like around 500 that lost? Because I checked this yesterday before all the games. So what what team lost yesterday that brought them? Uh... I think it. I think oh, a team Reds. had to. The Reds. Or no, the Reds won. Wait a second. The Reds got above 500. I think it. No, I think it is a team that uh, that won because if it. Then how would yeah. If there yeah, were more games. The it would have been the Reds. Yep. It's the yeah. Reds. It's the Reds. Nice. Uh, I'm looking. Yeah, the Reds. Just a... The Reds won yesterday and improved to 37 and 36. There we go. Um. I'm looking at the 2020 detailed standings. Okay. I thought it was like, I thought when they measured it, it was like with a winning record at the time that they played them, regardless of where they're at now. Yeah. I mean, it it kind of works. Yeah. Cause I know the Reds did beat up on the Dodgers when they played them. Yeah. It kind of works either way. Dodgers were eight and five against teams above 500 last year because they, they didn't have many games. Uh, last year because uh they faced the al west which had one winning team uh dodgers in 2019 were 45 and 32 against teams above 500 or at or above 500 i forget um so you know there's a difference difference between this year's team and, and last year's teams thus far uh but moving on uh this was probably, you know, what we've been talking about probably hasn't been the biggest news in baseball uh, of the past week as uh, the, you know, the enforcement of the use of foreign substances uh, is finally upon us. And uh, we're, we're getting consistent checks as uh, I mean, we'll get into it, but, you know, now there are uh, consistent checks uh, to these pitchers, you know, any inning after inning, to see if they have foreign substances, and uh, we've we've had some moments already. Yeah, we have. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing was Max Serger and Joe Girardi, where Serger got checked like three or four times at least, and Girardi uh, like was asking the umpires to check him, even though he was very he was clean, uh, you know, pretty obvious. Um, and Max Serger like had that stare down with the with the Phillies dugout uh, the entire time that he was walking back to the dugout. Like, I understand the enforcement, but like, how can we go about it without having to check every single pitcher every inning? Yeah, and I I feel like um, I feel like it would be more effective if you checked a little less because then it would be more likely that uh, you could find a pitcher using substances, but at 
I mean, I guess I checking know. makes sure that they don't have the substances on them. But I have a feeling this will not see, be uh, the same like a month from now. I'd be better not be. Like, I don't know, they're, like, they gotta do something about it, because pitchers, like, nobody likes this. Like, pitchers, like, I'm, I can't imagine hitters enjoy seeing the pitchers getting checked every single inning. Right, yeah, I, I wonder if it it's adds... ridiculous. I wonder if it adds to game time. Probably not, because they're able to warm up without that being an issue, but... Yeah, but I yeah, doubt it, it, but it still just, it still looks very tired after um, once. <laughs> it, it, it never looked good. Yeah, and yeah, I feel like like no one's going to have subs no one's going to be cheating now like the first week of <laughs> substances yeah. of foreign substance use being enforced. Check in like 2 weeks when when they're thinking like oh the, you know, maybe MLB's gone back to being soft and then that's when you might find one or two guys that yeah. uh, what if, are going back to What if they did it. it like what if they did it like random drug tests? Right, yeah. Not yeah, it don't like, do it every like every single guy start. Yeah, like the the added randomness to it might make some guys like a little weary of like, oh, I don't know if this is gonna be the day. Yeah, because the way it's going, it just seems like it's gonna be hardly enforced the first yeah. couple weeks, and then once teams just get tired of it, it's just gonna it might go back to somewhat how it used to be. I don't know. And honestly, I think that it'll be easier next year because, you know, we're going to be we're going to start with a clean slate. You know, if someone has an unusual spike in, in spin rate, you know, that information is viewable to the public in real time. We're all going to be able to see it and know that something's up. So, yeah, exactly. I think it'll be a lot easier next year, but it is it just looks so bad this year. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's very consistent in uh and them doing it and like, I mean, like you had Sergio Romo taking off his pants in front of the whole crowd. Like it was like, it's, it's very crazy. The lengths that some of these checks have gone to. Did you see that in the Orioles game? They checked a knuckleballer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a guy with 407 RPM. On, yeah, uh... Who's not, who doesn't, who wants to, who, who would prefer to have a zero RPM. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, that this was guy funny. does not want to spin the ball. Hey, you're not you're not using any substances to spin the ball anymore, are you? No, no, I'm not. Yeah, it is funny because they did take it away to take away the spin rate. And I I guess technically the knuckleballer would be like, nice. I don't I don't have to use these substances anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> but um I mean I guess as a knuckleballer you wouldn't want a slippery baseball, but he doesn't really need yeah. uh, I don't think he really needs that much of a grip uh, no, it's, it's on ridiculous. the ball. It's not like he's snapping off the snapping off a slider or anything. Uh, that <laughs> yeah, that was a funny moment. That was yeah, a funny moment. Zero sense. Um, it just it just looks so bad. Like it's I don't know. This is what Rob Manfred wanted. This is Rob Manfred's ideal baseball game. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's it's funny because most if you ask people, you know, a month ago who knew about the subject, most people would agree like, yeah, there should be some enforcement on this, but it's not like take away every substance and check pitchers every single inning. It wouldn't be that. No one would agree on that. Yeah, no. Like this they need to figure something out. And I think there needs to be a punishment for if a if a manager asks a, an umpire to check a pitcher and it's clean, like Joe Girardi did with Serger, like that, that need, like that can't just be happening whenever, uh, you know, people want. Yeah, a um, a common opinion has been, uh, take a challenge away. I I kind of agree with that. I but I also think if their challenges are available, um, to be taken away for uh, for asking to see if a pitcher is using something, maybe there should be another, maybe a, a manager should have another available challenge uh, to yeah. uh, act on that. But yeah, honestly, I, say, I like, never the only see. Problem is like, yeah, pe- teams run out of challenges anyway. So like, you know, the loophole could be like, oh, this team used their challenge. They can't do it again. Let me sneak some spider tack onto the baseball real quick. 
and uh, we'll, we'll hide it from the umpire for the next three innings of this game, and it'll be good. Right, yeah. I mean, is it's is it always at the team's request, or do the umpires are the umpires able to do it on their own? Well, no, like in the in the Max Serger Joe Girardi example, it was at the it was at the team's request, but I think most others have been the umpire request. But you know, okay. we just happened to see that specific situation on the very first day. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that's a uh, that's something that should be addressed. Yeah, because it it's just kind of a waste of, of uh, people's times and it takes away for like even even if it's only 20 to 30 seconds it's taken away from the pitcher being able to rest or talk to his catcher or or whatever it's wasting his time yeah and it's just tired like pitchers are gonna get sick of it and yeah they're probably sick of it as well like it's just annoying it is yeah it is very annoying it just seems very unnecessary i don't know but yeah, I mean, I think I think the real question is, what does this look like in in a month? Are we still doing this? Is it still every single inning, or is it is it kind of toned down? Yeah, yeah, it. Because, like, because we've the, seen the... we've seen Major League Baseball walk back on like, on like cracking down on stuff before, so it could be something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, this, this could be yeah. That in a month, that'll be like a real indicator of where where things are and then i feel like it'll ramp back up in the playoffs once that comes around um but uh yeah i mean that's that's been that's been uh the foreign substance situation thus uh far oh yeah and we we were talking about it before the recording but um (laughs) since since uh they have enforced this i mean it's a four day sample size i believe right June 21st yeah. was the day they started it, the enforcement. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, in these four days, the league OPS, league-wide OPS is lower, strikeout rate is higher. <laughs> Even yeah. if it's by a small margin, uh, yeah, league OPS, league average is also, because people were talking over talking about that, the league average before the enforcement was 239, the league average after is 231. So, uh, mission not accomplished yet. Not at all. Uh, unfortunately, uh, well, pitchers are just pitchers are, have just evolved quicker. Like it's pretty simple. <laughs> it it was launch angle the entire time. No. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, that's that's another tired thing. Uh. All right. Well. <clears throat> What what else what else did we say we were gonna we were gonna talk about? I forgot. We've, uh, the All Star jerseys. Oh yeah, not great. Let's <clears throat> let me uh let me screen share what they have available for uh for the twenty twenty one All Star game twenty twenty one. They are they are miserable. Yeah, it makes me glad that they don't wear those during the actual game and only. At the home run derby. Yeah, just yeah, just during the home run derby. Yeah, I know. And I mean, and the people who actually compete in the home run derby don't even wear them either. They wear their regular jerseys. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do now. They used it used to be different, but it did used to be different. I'm trying to think of the year that they changed it. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the the past home run derby. I'm pretty sure Stanton wore. I think it was 2018. 2018 right because 2017 in miami like they did wear the home run derby jerseys but not in 20 not in 2018 at nationals park when harper won it yeah judge yeah judge was wearing american league stuff i think when he won the derby Mm -hmm. it was like a it was like a blue jersey yeah Yeah. harper harper was wearing nats gear and when he was he faced schwarber and he was wearing cubs gear uh all right so yeah, th- this is what it looks like. If uh, yeah, so I mean, sad. it's it it looks it, it honestly the way the lettering is that that uh that C O L it reminds me of like the dead ball era time jerseys. By the way, do you see how they have the American flag on the left sleeve there? Right. Yeah. The Blue Jays jerseys have that as well. Uh, oh, that's funny. 
Yeah, makes zero sense. Uh, and I like I understand that they had a very limited amount of time to come up with all these these jerseys and logos, but like, still, you could have done much better. It was been what two and a half months since we knew it was going to be in Colorado. Like they could have done much better than that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so bad. And now the and then they're making them wear it during the games now. It's just going to be super ugly. Um, you know, it's going to ruin the whole, like, people were very excited about this All-Star game. You know, Coors Field is obviously a high offense, uh, you know, stadium. The home run derby is going to be amazing. But now we're going to have these jerseys. And I, I told you about the conspiracy theory I had yesterday, right? Um. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think the MLB intentionally put out these awful jerseys so that the lawmakers in Georgia could see what they've really done. And it's going to make them reverse all the voting laws so that they can make better jerseys and Major League Baseball can bring the All-Star game back to Atlanta. Right, yeah. 200 IQ move by Major League Baseball. It was... Uh, when you really think about it. It was all It was all part of the plan. This was, yeah. Yeah. This was all part of the plan. Um, <clears throat> but, but yeah, by the way, uh, Home Run Derby is going to be interesting you know the Pete Alonso just announced he's going to be in there's there's going to be uh you know higher out so higher altitude means two things is you know ball's going to be flying but also uh I wonder especially especially when it's a timed event um I wonder if guys are guys are going to get tired quicker because of the elevation yeah probably so I I wonder if they're going to be able to especially because like if you go back and watch the 2015 home run derby versus the 2019 home run derby, like there's supposedly a rule where like you have to wait until the previous ball lands to throw the next ball. Nobody was following that rule in 2019. Absolutely yeah, no. Nobody. Like it was like into like go back and watch any round from the 2015 home run derby and just look at how different it is from the way it was in 2019. It's it's there's nothing that's similar. And it's probably going to be like the 2019 version in 2021. So yeah, like it, hitters are going to be prone to getting tired more quickly. Yeah, it's uh, is it four minutes or five minutes? I forget. I think it's four plus possible extra time. Uh, so I mean, we know Shohei Otani is going to be in. We know that Pete Alonso is going to be in. Trevor Story is probably going to be in if he wants to. They're going to invite a Rockies hitter. Yep. Uh, regardless, you know, it might be Trevor Story. It could be Ryan McMahon. But uh, it's going to be one of those two, I'd say. And then um, from there, you know, we have to wait for anyone else to get an invitation. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if uh, if people just, if guys just tend to, uh, are not able to get the ball out in the last, you know, minute or so, uh, you know, can't can't be surprised by that, you know, with the, uh, with the elevation. Exactly. It's not like they can really train for that uh, at all. And, you know, swinging is a very explosive motion, so it's very easy to get tired doing that for four minutes. And when Absolutely. when they're when they're going to be at elevation, it's going to be a it's going to be a challenge. Um, they do get they do get a timeout, though. They do. That's which I mean, yeah, it's pretty clutch. But uh, be, yeah. regardless, like it's going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it for sure. I mean, it's going to be probably the youngest home run derby ever you know just based yeah. on based on a the home run leaders and b like who everyone wants to see uh that's it's gonna yeah, be it's i want to see great. jordan alvarez i feel like if jordan alvarez is in he might be my pick to win it yeah yeah i mean yeah i don't know when, whenever can mash. it's it's gonna be tough because there's always a guy at the end who you didn't really expect to be, you know, at the end, like yeah, Jock Peterson. I mean, like everyone, like, yeah, but like there could be a guy that just everyone, like, remember Miguel Sano in 2017, maybe too, because he was in a derby with like Judge Sanchez and Stanton and Moustakis. Like he was, yeah, guy, yeah. I think he lost in the finals to Judge. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I, I feel like we could have a derby where everyone is expected to do very well. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. Which would be, be awesome to see. It won't be like so, when All Star Game jerseys bad, home run derby probably good. Yes, yeah. It's not gonna be like when uh, Matt Chapman was in the derby, and. <laughs> well, to just... be fair, to be fair, you know what actually happened there. 
Um, yeah, his fa- his father was throwing like why Matt Chapman. No, but do you remember why Matt Chapman was in the Derby? Um, because Yelich got hurt, right? No, you don't remember because Yelich got hurt. Yeah. yeah, and it was like the last day before the All Star break. So it was like, well, shoot, we need someone to take the one seed. <laughs> and they were like, all right, we'll just throw in Matt Chapman. Right, right. And he had to face Vlad Jr. out of the eight, out of the eight seed. What a tough matchup. Yeah, Yelich versus Guerrero would have been, even... would have been great. It would have been great, but you know what? That's what they robbed us of, because Yelich got hurt. Yep, yep, yep. Um. So yeah, as you said, in conclusion, uh, uniforms bad, home run derby good, going to be very exciting. Um, so I guess that leads into our players to highlight for good and bad reasons. Uh, let's Wait, start no, off. Wait, no, it's not. We got one more thing to cover. We got one more thing to cover. Uh, what do we got? That that that, that gosh darn. We, we talk about all the time about how baseball is so bad at marketing their sport, and. I just I wanted to talk about what happened on Twitter this week. So on the 22nd, Major League Baseball tweeted this big graphic of like the moon with baseball seams. It had a date on it. It was June 23rd, 2021. Like it, it was this huge announcement. Like everyone was going to want to tune in. And I was very excited, Chris. I'm pretty I'm sure you were excited as well. You know, uh, I think someone like replied with like a picture of like a field of dreams like the movie cover with like the moon in the background that like closely resembled the the moon in the picture. Like Major League Baseball had a huge announcement coming up. And then uh, the day comes and I actually like searched MLB's account to find it. And it was just that they, they part, they partnered with a cryptocurrency company and they're, they're, they're getting money out of people in more ways. And that was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it just really not a good move. Like, Talk about overhyping something. Yeah. Like, I think I think this was done in a way to try to bury the lead on the sticky stuff and be like, hey, we know that our game is falling apart and we have the, we have another, our second cheating scandal in the last 18 months, but we got something big coming. Look out, June 23rd, big announcements coming. And then it was that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was Cryptocurrency. Sad. Which, you know, I'm not super into it, but I know a lot of people are. I still, like, if there's Major League Baseball diehards that are into crypto, I, I don't think they care as much as MLB announced that it would matter. Yeah. It they're just, like, like, I wouldn't have cared if they announced it without a precursing, like, be on the lookout on this day when we, when we post this. Like, it was, like, I wouldn't have cared if they just threw it out just like that. But, no, they had to make it this big thing. For it to be only that yeah i feel like crypto and crypto people who are also baseball fans just they keep that as separate entities and probably will keep it that way yeah like i i don't know it's just it's just sad it's and it's so major league baseball too like they would they would do that yeah they would make their biggest thing a cryptocurrency deal but i mean <clears throat> they probably were required to do that in the deal to, yeah. you know, hype it up like crazy in order for this to, to work out for them. But yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I don't know how much it's doing for the fans. Really? I'm People with streaming services can't watch their local teams, but good thing we got cryptocurrency in major league baseball. Yeah. Yeah. As, as that uh, reply yeah. said, you know, more ways to pay, more ways to pay major league baseball money minor league baseball players are treated like they're in poverty but good thing we got we got black folio right yeah yeah it yeah exactly it's so stupid yeah there's service time like i know like i'm not against i'm not against the whole cryptocurrency thing like you know if you want to do it do it but like the fact that major league baseball put that much emphasis into it just shows exactly who like how they are with with uh, their marketing yeah yeah like there's plenty of problems in major league baseball that uh that they should be solving but yeah they uh it, it 
it's not that they're it's not that they did the deal it's how they marketed how it was going to happen you know if this was a yeah. thing where like, i don't yeah they didn't make an announcement that there was going to like, be an hey, announcement by the way we have this yeah it would just be like another like, like moon graphic yeah come on man it's such yeah. a major league baseball thing exactly exactly anyway i just wanted to talk about that because it was just i couldn't get it off my mind it was just so sad right and so and so and so predictable yeah it was very um it was pretty fitting to see that <clears throat> pretty fitting yeah like you're, um, you're telling me the same you're telling me the same corporation that announced their gold glover winners on election night is also making a giant deal out of cryptocurrency yeah exactly like making I, a giant I, deal I, out I of basically basically a sponsor sponsorship that yeah. doesn't do much for the fans i mean it does something but not not that much nothing yeah it's just it was just a bad announcement yep yeah anyway it, yeah we can we can get into our how about that's now yeah it was uh not not the best uh not the best story but uh what is fun is the June 25th, 2021 edition of How About That? So you, who do you have to highlight for us today? Yeah. Uh, Chris, we've let this go for way too long. Uh, this guy's been playing extremely well pretty much all year. And we've really not said anything about it. Brian Reynolds, it's about time. Uh, he is slashing 313, 403, 543 with a 946 OPS on the season. He is a 405 Woba and a 160 Weighted Runs Created Plus, with all of those ranking in the top 15 in the majors. He is the seventh Pirates outfielder with a 945 OPS and 20 doubles through their first 71 games of the season with a minimum of 290 plate appearances. And he joins a list with Paul Wehner, who's a Hall of Famer, Kiki Kyler, who's a Hall of Famer, Fred Clark, who's a Hall of Famer, Brian Giles, Andrew McCutcheon, and Barry Bonds. The Pirates have legitimately three deserving All-Stars in Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier, and Richard Rodriguez. Chris, where would you? what would you think if I told you three months ago there were going to be three Pirates that deserve to be All-Stars and none of them were Cabrian Hayes? That, yeah, that would, be, that would be literally insane if none of them were, uh, were Hayes. But that's that's the situation. Brian Reynolds has is legitimately. I mean, like these are MVP numbers that he's putting up, and we're pleading that he should be an All Star. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely turned it up, definitely turned it up in the last uh, last couple months. Um, and uh, you know, we we feared it would happen uh, last. And first of all, Brian Brian Reynolds. We feared it might happen last week, but it finally has happened in 2021. We have the same. Ah, we have the same. There player. we go. This was it, our. It has um, happened. June. Mark the day. June 25th, 2021, 11:13 a.m. We almost made it halfway through the season without a. Yeah. Without a, I don't know what what, what we call it. That? A uh, a consensus. Yeah, a consensus pick uh okay what yeah what uh yeah it's june 25th did i, did I yeah so it's our our first episode of the regular season was episode 108 and this is episode 127 so this is our 20th episode first time we've uh 20 episodes in uh first time this season we've we've aligned we did it at least once last year on a slightly alarming i think this is the first time we've done it on a how about that uh, yeah. But yeah, Brian Reynolds, uh, some stats uh, I have on him that you didn't get to. He's currently fifth, currently fifth in the, in the National League in F4 and fourth in the National League in baseball reference war. Since the start of May, he is hitting 331 with a 1030 OPS and a 12.5% barrel rate in 46 games. And since since the start of May as well, he ranks fifth in Major League Baseball in average on base percentage and slugging percentage. He is third in OPS since the start of May and sixth in F4 uh, in that time span. So, 
Yeah, Brian Reynolds from both of us getting A. How about that? Um, Perfect. But, you know, we, we went a pretty long time. Honestly, I'm kind of impressed with ourselves. It did. It, we, it was due to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, we, we, both knew, we both knew for a while that it was, it was, it was coming, and we both agreed when, when the right time was. Yeah, and it, yeah, it was around this time. We thought we would have the same slightly honestly, longer like, last honestly, week. He's, yeah. Well, no, we didn't. We had the same team. Well, we, when we were describing like, uh, we were describing our slightly alarmings without saying who it was, and we were, we were like, uh, yeah, you, you, I think you were like, yeah, I have a White Sox player, and I was like, oh, I have a White Sox player. I think we might have the same guy, but it wasn't. And we were like, "Wow, skated away!" And this week, and and then this episode, it's uh, yeah, we, we finally got consensus. Yeah, Brian Reynolds was overdue for a how about that. So I'm glad that we made it up for him, made it up to him by both picking him. Yeah, and I was, I was gonna. There were two other people I was gonna pick, but both of them went, uh, like both of them went over in their last game, and I just didn't want to. Just didn't want to do it after an offer because their numbers weren't weren't great in the time span. I was or, I was gonna good. pick Kyle Schwarber. I was gonna pick Kyle Schwarber, and I had a specific list I was gonna use to describe how good he's been. And then someone tweeted out the exact list that I was like, "Well, now I can't use it. Like it belongs to someone else now." Yeah. Right. All right. Um. So, I uh, I was surprised to uh, hear that uh that list Brian Reynolds was on. That's yeah. a that's a pretty I mean, prestigious list. Like when we're talking, when we're talking Paul Weiner, like that's a that's a guy. Yeah, when we're talking about one of the most overlooked members of the three thousand hit club, Paul Weiner and Kiki Kyler, I, I mm-hmm. I've I've seen that name before, but I don't I don't know really anything about him. Nineteen twenty one. 1921 to 1938. Uh, yeah, he was in that really offensive era. Had a lifetime 321 average, uh, 860 OPS, 125 OPS plus. Um, gotta love, gotta love him playing exactly one game in both 1921 and 1922. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wonder what what he was doing. But 1924, 8th in the MVP vote. 1925, 2nd in the MVP vote. But yeah, shout out, to, uh, shout out to Brian Reynolds. But now we must go from the highs to the lows where we're talking about players and subjects that have been underperforming. So for our June 25th, 2021 edition of... Slightly alarming. So what do you have for us today? So I kind of went with the theme of guys who have been playing a certain way all year instead of just during a fraction of the season like I usually do. Uh, Hunter Dozier has been struggling this year. He is slashing 156, 226, 327, 553 with a 50 weighted runs created plus. And, you know, usually when a guy's slumping, I try to look within his statistics to find what the big issues are. And it's it's the it's probably the least likeliest of outcomes from the last it just for someone i'm looking at over a month he has the largest increase in hard hit percentage in the majors between 2020 and 2021 he had a 30 percent hard hit rate in 2020 he has a 47 percent hard hit rate in 2021 his 189 babip is the second worst among players with 200 plus plate appearances this year he has 67 hard hit balls and 42 of them have been outs which means his 62.7 percent of hard hit balls being outs is the most in the majors. So the fact that Hunter Dozier has stayed this unlucky for this long is slightly alarming alone. Like that just, that doesn't happen. And it just has. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Slightly alarming. Now I'm, uh, now I'm curious as to see, <laughs> as to see Hunter Dozier's uh, general numbers on Savant. Yeah. Uh, wondering I mean, all, all of his all of his percentiles are still pretty low, right? But um, it's it is like, 
I mean, he should be doing much better than a 50 weighted runs created plus. Yeah, and usually when hard hit balls are outs, it's ground balls, but he has the he has a well below average ground ball rate, which is really yeah. weird. That's super weird. No, it is just awful strange. Uh, he, yeah, he's slugging 327 with an expected slugging of 387. And he's batting 156 with an expected batting average of 207. Which, 207 expected batting average still isn't good, but it's very far removed from 156. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't make, uh, doesn't make that much sense. I guess, um... A lot of sense. I mean, his strikeout rate is up from last year, but it's not, like, anything unusual. It's not a crazy spike. It, that's that's extremely weird. Yeah, alarming, slightly alarming. Uh, my slightly alarming <clears throat> is, uh, is a guy who's a top prospect uh, coming up when he, when he did uh, 2018 Rookie of the Year finalist. Uh, 2019 MVP vote getter, but just hasn't really been the same since. Uh, Glaber Torres overall this year, he has a 323 slugging percentage and a 654 OPS. Uh, his hard hit percentage is a career low and it is also in the 15th percentile in all of baseball. Uh, his average exit velocity this is what's probably the most alarming his average exit velocity is a career low by 2.9 miles per hour and it is in the sixth percentile in all of baseball uh he's he kind of came up and was known for being to for having somewhat like explosive power and uh his average exit velocity is you know in the sixth percentile in all of baseball now uh he just doesn't look doesn't look very good right now his expected slugging is also in the 22nd percentile, and his actual slugging percentage ranks 135th out of 140 qualifying hitters in Major League Baseball. Uh, only, you know, five more, only five other guys that are worse than him in terms of slugging percentage. And there are also 113 other Major League Baseball hitters with 250 plus plate appearances this year, and only two other batters among them have less extra base hits than Glaber Torres. Uh, Torres only has 12 extra base hits this year in uh, 264 plate appearances. And uh, isolated to his last eight games, uh, he is doing very bad. He is one for 26 with 11 strikeouts and a 20% hard hit rate and 60% ground ball rate in his last eight games and uh, was not in the starting lineup in on uh, Thursday, so maybe uh, Boone just gave him a rest, uh, maybe potentially making some lineup moves. I don't know, but Glaber Torres looking slightly alarming. Uh, not great. I've been banging this drum. I've been banging this drum for a while, but um, since the start of 2019, 2019 of course was the best season in Glaber Torres's career. Uh, when he in uh 899 plate appearances. Against teams that are not the Orioles, he is slashing 252, 323, 409, 732, 4897 weighted runs created plus. Glaber Torres has been a below average hitter since the start of 2019 when he plays teams that aren't the Orioles. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> like the difference between him against the 2019 Orioles and him not against the 2019 Orioles. He had like a three, he had like a three eighty six weighted runs created plus against the Orioles in 2019 alone. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, uh, he had, I mean, I think the most, I think the most slightly alarming thing about Glaber is that he's not actually 22 years old anymore. Right. Yeah. 24 uh, yeah, four I mean, now. That's, that's an issue. Probably yeah. Yeah. I, well, he's getting old now. He, He's not. He's not the same. His exit velocity is going he's gonna be down. Eligible soon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. Like, I don't know. I I think everyone kind of had uh, high hopes for for the guy, but he just. Yeah. I mean, last year wasn't great for him he's either. At a twenty-three. Had a had a seven twenty-four 
OPS in 2020, and uh, it's it's worse now, and not able to get extra base hits. And I feel he's probably a guy that also ben- benefited from the juiced baseballs that is not benefiting now. Um, but also there are probably some other factors to go with that. Uh, but yeah, now we get into our preview of the weekend ahead in baseball. Um, some series have already started. Um, pro- most notably, probably uh, Cubs-Dodgers, which we kind of previewed already. But yeah, Cubs-Dodgers is uh, is a series to watch. Uh, Dodgers just got <laughs> just got no hit and swept by the Padres, looking to bounce back. Cubs have been surprised, you know, uh, playing above their expectations this year. And uh, they're, uh, they're an above 500 team and the Dodgers tend to struggle against them. So last, last night was uh, Davies versus Bueller, which uh, <laughs> funny, funnily enough, Davies won that matchup uh, tonight. It's Tony Gonsolin versus Jake Arietta. Saturday. It is, Saturday, it is Julio Urias versus Alec Mills. And Sunday, it is Clayton Kershaw versus Adbert Alzale, which is probably the most intriguing remaining matchup of that series. Um, I mean, there's there's pretty good series all around the league. Uh, you got Red Sox-Yankees matching up again, this time in Fenway Park. Uh, then you have also um, Athletics-Giants the battle of the bay uh probably the most probably the i mean this is the first time they've both been extremely competitive since i don't even know like maybe 2014 so that's going to be fun i i don't know if it is a two gamer or a three gamer gonna look at sunday yeah it's a three game uh three game matchup most of these interleague series are two games and it messes up the schedule it's like the it's like these two game series that are like Monday, Tuesday, and then they have a day off Wednesday, which is really unusual, kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the but yeah, series to look at: Dodgers, Cubs, uh, Giants, Athletics uh, at Oracle Park, and Red Sox, Yankees at Fenway. So we'll see if the Yankees can bounce back after uh, the time they got swept by the Red Sox in the Bronx. So day by day matchups. What do you got? So today, Friday, uh, it's Corbin Burns Day. You know, that's obviously a good one. Pretty good matchup in New York for game one of a doubleheader. You got Aaron Nola versus Taiwan Walker. Uh, that'll be interesting. You have Framber Valdez going today for the Astros. Uh, you have you have Dane Dunning facing the Royals. We have Mike Miner facing his former team. Uh, that'll be interesting. You have um, you have that's pretty much it for the for the individual good pitchers. And the best matchup of the day, in my opinion. You say Kikuchi versus Carlos Rodon. Uh, Rodon is in the Cy Young conversation, and Kikuchi had a 570 earned run average in his first uh, four starts of the season. And since then, 57 innings pitched, 61 strikeouts, only 17 walks for a 2.53 earned run average. Opponent's OPS of 559. Uh, so Kikuchi has been going under a lot of people's radars recently, and he's going to be going against another Cy Young candidate uh, on Friday, which is tonight. So then on Saturday, you have Lance Lynn going. You have uh, you have Lance McCullers Jr. going against Casey Mize. That'll be a good matchup. You have Jacob DeGrom going, of course. That needs no introduction. Uh, and you have Denelson Lamette going against the, Pod- or against the Diamondbacks. The best matchup of the day, uh, I would say, is in the Braves versus Reds game. You have Ian Anderson going against Luis Castillo. That'll be a good one. And then That's Sunday, a... you have Garrett Cole. You have Garrett Cole going on Sunday night. Or on, not on Sunday night. You have him going on Sunday against the Red Sox. Um, you have Tyler Molle going against the Reds. He's been on a tear recently. You got um, you got Zach Wheeler going for the Phils. Uh, facing off against his former team uh, in his former stadium. You've got... Who do you got? You got Zach Gallen versus you, Darvish. That's a good one. Best matchup of the day, in my opinion, Max Serger versus Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's very that's a very good matchup. Matchup. It is. 
two pitchers with a sub three ERA, good strikeout numbers, uh, and that'll be in Miami. Yeah, uh, Anderson versus Castillo, by the way, is a 2020 uh, playoff matchup or playoff rematch ah, between. You're right. You're right. Between the both of them. Um. So yeah, we uh we hope you enjoyed this one. That yeah, that leads to the conclusion of this episode. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens or see those terrible uniforms, you know, I understand if you don't want to go there, but go to the YouTube channel and you, subscribe. You've probably seen them already anyway. Right, yeah, if you're if you're following along. Uh, follow or, or uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Uh, follow us on social media on... Uh, uh, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current. And follow the show Instagram for all the show needs at Above Replacement Radio. So we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Monday this time uh, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>